0: Welcome back to another episode of the Brothers Grimm. Glad you guys are uh, here listening with us. And But how, uh, how have y'all been doing? Doing good. You know, it's finally
1: my favorite time of year. Yes, I agree. You know, it's fall. It's football. I know you and I are talking in the summer, Brian.
0: You know, we just, we needed football to come back. Yes, like right now. We got baseball going on, but I can't watch baseball. The freaking streaming services. Thank you very much. Bally sports.
1: Yeah. You can't watch Bally unless you have Comcast or Direct TV. And if you have YouTube TV you can't watch it. So it's like not without
0: Hulu, you can't watch it with anything unless you have an actual cable provider. It's just it's
1: like that. just wandering in the desert right now, just yeah. <laughs> waiting for sports to come around again that I can watch on TV and and I'm a I'm a University of Georgia fan. And Brian is regrettably the University of Alabama regrettably, fan. Regrettably,
0: how many national championships we got in the last? Listen,
1: I'm not even going to get into twelve, 12 years. years. Stop that now. And Joey, who do you go for?
2: Flavor of the week. Flavor of the week. I love it. <laughs> Joey, uh, he's I, a band. You warrior. know, I I enjoy uh, probably professional football over college football, and uh, I'm a Falcons fan. But I also, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll root for the Patriots. My, my wife's family's from the Boston area, the the north, so. Yeah, they're diehard Patriots Patriots, fans. you know, why not? Tom Brady, you know, he's the GOAT, so I'm all about that.
1: But then you have to be a Bucks fan. You can't be a Patriots fan now. Nah, you can be both. There's no. pa- Patriots still
0: love Tom Brady. This is true, but he's no longer a Patriot.
2: Well, no, I'm saying I, I like Tom Brady as a player. I don't really care where he's playing at. I think he's a very good football player. Yeah, I would
0: agree. I would agree. He also
2: just is in incredible shape for his age.
1: He's a beautiful man.
2: (laughs) He's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man.
1: He tries very hard at it. I know the three of us, along with uh, seven of our other friends, we're all in a fantasy football league together.
2: Yes, and that's that's what I care most about football is so I can win money.
0: Well, that's what's fun about fantasy, too, is you don't have to be a football fan to enjoy playing fantasy. That's right. You can... There's a lot of just kinda of numbers that go associated with it and a lot of luck too. Really it's just gambling. It's all luck. Yeah.
1: No, that's all it I mean, and I'm I am more of a player follower than I am a team follower when yeah. it comes to the pros. Um, I have sir. I like a bunch of different teams based upon who's on you know, who's in certain positions. Right. Uh so I was a big Rams fan during the Super Bowl because you know, Stafford played for yep. Georgia.
0: And I think that's what it is, is people who are college football fans love to follow their college football players that played for their team. No, you love to follow your college football players.
2: I'm pretty sure your entire fantasy team was just Alabama players.
0: Uh, there's like only three or four. But <laughs> this is very true. But in fairness, they were some of the best players in the league. Some I used, of them.
2: I use cheat sheets.
0: Hey, whatever gets it done. Uh,
2: they got me pretty far in the league last year. I, I think I did pretty well. I... I came in, what, fourth? Yeah, I think so. And I came in fifth. Mm. Yeah. All right
1: right I, in the middle. I came in second. I lost to uh, our buddy, Seth. Who's been on the, the show before. Yeah. He has been on the show. Yep. And um, he has currently uh, shaved his beard into a disgusting-looking mustache. Yeah, Disgusting as, 80s stash.
2: Yeah, but
0: yes. as of today, the beard is just about all gone. It's like just a oh, stubble. Oh, no. Yeah. And he's he's brought it
1: down, like, past his mouth.
0: Oh. So it's, like, handleboring down
1: a little bit. Yeah. He says he's doing it because it's helping him play better on his rec league basketball team. However, they have yet to win a game. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure what magic is
2: lying within the stash. Look, closing the gap is, is, is like winning. I, I guess so. I guess.
0: But the problem with Seth Stash – sorry, Seth, I love you. But his upper lip isn't very big. So – It's kind of just real thin, skinny across the top, and then it hangs over a little bit on on top of the lip. And so you can really, when you get up close, it looks a little gross. Now,
1: Joey, I'm looking across the the way at you, and I'm glad to see that you shaved your mustache up a little bit. You trimmed it up because that sucker was curling down over top it was of your upper lip so much so that you look like a ginger sam elliott yep. it looked like you were auditioning for the remake of tombstone
2: <laughs> that was young i'm young sam elliott young <laughs> young sam elliott no it yeah. was it was getting pretty thick and nasty i i can't pull off a, you know it's just funny the the rooster stash became a huge thing this year and it's like yeah we all learned very quickly who can and cannot pull off mustaches
1: yeah Oh well, my wife sent me a lovely post right after I had shaved my beard into a mustache, and it had a Farva from Super Troopers right next to Rooster, and the the tagline said, "When you shave your stash and you think you're gonna look one way, but you actually look like Farva." And yeah, I, I asked her, I was like, "Is that what you think Did I not look good?" And she was like, "Not really."
2: For for those who don't know who we're talking about when we say Rooster, that's Miles Teller, Miles Teller's character from Top Gun Maverick who just just exudes sexiness yes yep. absolutely yep. he's stational.
0: and he's just an insane actor too yeah he's so good he's one of my favorites for sure
1: but uh yeah it's back to seth's mustache it he i was filming him for a video the other day and he looked like a uh an 80s lineman like on a <laughs> on a on a card on like a football card Cause the way his hair was running and this like the fact <laughs> that the mustache just like stuck out against his pale skin. Yep. Like so, you know, I told him you, you are ready to bring the nostalgia back to the game. That's funny.
2: You know, also uh, Grayson, who runs Starscream sc- Studio, is on our fantasy league too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we have we have a decent amount of friends, but we also keep our friend group pretty close yeah. and pretty tight knit it's hard to get uh to to join i guess is a good way of saying yeah yeah oh
1: absolutely i mean it it, it is very specific what we look for (laughs) in a friend yeah
0: um i think all of our friends except for maybe one or two have beards like we're we're a bearded crew for the most part it's it's
2: yeah
1: absolutely i I didn't have one i shaved into a mustache for a while but it was
2: so Your skin was so smooth. It was so smooth. I looked like a a small-town sheriff. That's what I look (laughs) like. Yes. Absolutely. I can't can't shave uh, anything off because, well, first of all, my my two young kids have not seen me without a beard. I'm a little afraid they won't like me, and uh, Tori's actually never seen me without a beard.
0: My wife hasn't either. Like, from dating to through marriage for the first three years, never seen me without a beard. I also know that I'll just go, like, straight back to 16-year-old Joey. Absolutely. I'm just afraid to shave mine off and worry about the double chin that may be under it. <laughs> that that's was what a struggle. That's what scares me. I so I'm that. just going to keep it on.
1: I constantly like pushed my my chin forward so that I lost that double chin. But Joey and Joey can attest to this. Like I'm 30, I'll be 38 this year. Joey'll be 35 this year, 36 this year. 35
2: at my next birthday. Yeah.
1: And we can both say with full transparency. We have never seen our dad's upper lip.
2: That's absolutely true.
1: Like we, in all the years, he's always had either a mustache or a goatee or a beard. And so we have told him that when he dies.
0: (laughs) Don't tell me you're going to have
2: him
1: shave it. We will shave it off. As he's laying there. That's amazing. Just so
2: we can see. I'm just afraid it's going to be such a different color. It's just like so his white. His skin will be so translucent.
0: But, but is that the last picture you want to see of your dad? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. It's going to be so white
1: because it's just never seen the sun. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's a running joke. That's funny. <laughs> that's, a, that's
0: a good one. That's really good. Well, today I have a fun... Well, all right. It's not a fun story, but... It is, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of detail to it, a lot of unknowns, a lot of questions, and uh, I'm excited to share it with you guys.
2: Are any of our stories really
0: fun stories? I feel like we say we have a fun story, but like they're all terrible. They're they all are. terrible, they are. stories. I really enjoyed my very first story, and it was talking about Lake Lanier here yeah. in Georgia, and just kind of the background that that has um, with the state, with the lake, how it was created, how... And just, like, the eeriness that still to today happens.
2: You know, that reminds me of a really short story that I wanted to tell you. I'm glad you brought up the Lake Lemire story because we're filming at Lake Lemire on Friday. Okay. Um, And there's... I just... I I know in the back of my mind that that place is extremely haunted. So, like, I'm trying really really hard to not get close to the water because I'm a little afraid, like, something's going to grab me in. Yeah. Well, so we're there scouting at the lake and i like i turn from i was looking at, out on the shore and i turn around and i look behind me and right there in the tree in the tree and like a like a little cove of the tree is a little little cross like people would put up when somebody passes away mm. and i was like we can't film here absolutely not somebody yeah. must have passed away here it's too sinister it's too sinister i can't do it
0: yeah so uh, we're, fil- we're filming there that's exciting though that's I mean, it's a beautiful area, it's a beautiful lake. It's a beautiful lake, and it's but huge. But the history on it is, is just, there's a lot there.
2: You can barely see the other side from some parts of
0: it. Right, even this, this year, this summer, there was a couple people that died out there. Dark history. Yeah, very so. Well, this story uh, is from 1986. Kim Luce, one of ten siblings living in Bluegrass, Iowa. She had hopes of pursuing a career in psychology after graduating from high school. However, she wouldn't live long enough to make her dreams come true. Kim was attending her friend's 16th birthday party on September 16th, 1986. She normally wouldn't go to the parties due to spending most of her free time at home taking care of her younger siblings, two of which suffered from autism. Kim's parents, Larry and Rose Luce, had five daughters and followed up quickly with five sons. Kim loved her family and took care of her younger siblings willingly. Her two autistic brothers inspired her dreams to pursue a career in psychology. I'm we'll gonna go ahead and say ten children. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a
2: little that's a little too much.
0: Yeah. That is a lot of kids. I'm
2: struggling with two right now and my wife wants to have a third one day. And she she would probably keep going to five or six, and I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. like two no. was what I really wanted, and now you want thirds so like you're pushing it. Yeah. Ten children, that's just
0: that's, that's a lot. crazy. I don't, I don't know how you keep up with that one. I don't know how you afford it. And just two, just the sheer chaos. Because it sounds like they're all pretty close in age.
2: At some point, the the older ones just start taking care of the younger ones. So right. I guess it becomes easy. I hear it becomes easy after four. It's like once you have four kids, it's kind of like oh, just another child. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, like you said, kids start taking care of the younger ones. Yeah, yeah. Kim, who had just turned sixteen years old in July of nineteen eighty six, was looking forward to celebrating her friend Kelly Cress's own sweet sixteenth birthday. After arriving at Kelly's home, Kim and her friends went to a local bar Kelly's father owned. While they were there, Kim met Jeff Daly, a 20-year-old family friend of the Cresses. Shortly after Kim and her friends returned back to Kelly's home, Jeff showed up in a yellow Camaro he borrowed from a friend. Jeff then began to talk to Kim and try to convince her to leave the party with him and attend another party in Walcott, Iowa. Kim said no. We just met and wasn't trying to hang out with another boy. Finally, Jeff asked Kim if she would at least take a ride with him to go pick up Joyce Barton, a friend of Kelly's, and bring the two of them back to the party. Kim again said no, but Kim's friends were tired of Jeff basically begging Kim to go with him and finally talked her into leaving to go get Joyce. Kelly called out to Jeff and said, make sure to bring her right back because she is spending the night here for my birthday party. As Jeff drove off in the Camaro with Kim, she yelled, tell my mom I'll be right back. That would be the last time Kelly or any of Kim's friends would ever see her again. I feel like there are just certain
1: phrases that you should never say. Right. Like, I'll be right back is probably one of them. Yeah, it's so yeah. much like foreshadowing. Don't it's foreshadow insane. your own life. Come or on. it's <laughs> like, I'm going to go down to the basement. Or, you know, just, what was that noise outside? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Just, huh. just...
0: What's that shape over there? Yep, Mm -hmm. ignore it all. Yep. Instead of going to get Joyce, Jeff instead headed north out of town toward Walcott, Iowa. A short time later, Kim found herself with a man she barely knew, entering a home allegedly belonging to Rob Kaufman. There they met Jeff's best friends, Craig Allen Peterson, and Craig's brother, Kevin Peterson, both of which lived in bluegrass, same as Kim. All right. I need to break this down just
2: a little bit. My man, you have a a way of finding stories with the most people, the most characters ever. I am sorry about that. (laughs) Every single time. Every story has like a freaking ensemble cast. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. Entourage on top of entourage.
0: I think that makes these harder to understand and why they're having a hard time solving these cases. Very possible. is because of there's so many people at play. So what we know is that Kim got in the car with Jeff.
2: They were supposed to go pick up Joyce. Right. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Jeff kept going to Iowa.
0: Yeah. Where he originally intended to go. Where he wanted to go with with, with Kim.
2: Kim. So he's basically he's kidnapped her by now. Yep. So and now they're at some mobile home with a few other people that I don't remember yep. their names. A few
0: other Craig's friends.
2: of <laughs> Craig's friends, yep. got it.
0: By 10:10 10, 10 p.m. that night, Kim's lifeless body, her eyes still open, would be found lying on the pavement near the entrance of the Walcott Motorhome Park. She was dead from a blunt force trauma and hemorrhaging in her chest and a severe brain injury along with a broken neck. Along with Kim's death, one of the three men, Craig Peterson, would also be dead by late Saturday evening, 24 hours after Kim's body was found. Though his body wasn't discovered until the following Wednesday, five days later, his body was found by a local fisherman floating in the Mississippi River.
2: So Kim had hemorrhaging in her chest blunt force trauma to her chest she had a broken neck yep and
0: and a severe brain injury a brain injury wow the morning after kim's body was found the autopsy was not yet returned and not knowing the full extent of her fatal injuries a feud between the peterson brothers began numerous witnesses said the two fought and argued all throughout the day saturday the older brother kevin was home from college for the weekend and appeared to instigate many of the fights and arguments almost pleading to Craig. Craig stood his ground and refusing to agree with Kevin or do anything, his brother asked of him. Kevin began to follow Craig everywhere he went and people began to talk. After all they had seen with Kim the previous night, we can only assume they knew what had happened to her. So where's Jeff in all this? Has he disappeared or is he like I don't know. I get. I'm assuming he's still there. Okay. It seems like he's there with a buddy of his who owns the trailer that they're in and then two of their friends, Craig and Kevin. And Kevin's in town from college. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of hanging out at a party. Craig had enough of all the fighting and arguing and left the trailer. Kevin followed him in his truck to the Highway to the 280 bridge and Craig slammed on his brakes and got out of his truck and immediately resumed. The volatile arguments with his brother at one point during the argument kevin turned around and told all the bystanders watching this unfold that everything was under control and they needed to leave intimidated by kevin's rage most of the bystanders left leaving only kevin and craig there alone it was the last time any of those bystanders saw craig alive Family members reported him missing the next morning. Local officials said he had disappeared sometime Sunday morning, walking across the 280 bridge. Initially, the Loose family was told Kim had a freak accident. She had fallen out of the car when the passenger door swung open while traveling 10 to 20 miles per hour over a speed bump in the trailer park. Jeff Daly, at the time, was charged with operating a vehicle under the influence of alcohol. Can y'all really believe with those injuries, that Kim suffered was from falling out of a car going 10 to 20 miles an hour. Absolutely not. I, I might, I might
2: believe it. I mean, she falls out of the car and let's just say maybe she somehow falls like in the way of the wheel, like a, a car going over you could cause blunt trauma to your chest and hemorrhaging. Yep. And but it that's could if cause your neck to, to break. Right.
0: That's if she had been run over. If she'd been run over. Right. But that was not stated that she was run over. That just she just she fell out. Now falling
2: out of the car. No, I can't imagine. The broken neck is probably the most.
0: Right. And the autopsy happen. The autopsy stated that it was all three of those were the cause of her death, not just one. Mm -hmm. I think any one of those would have caused death, but they said that all three of them were.
2: So what could have caused that? Like like let's say it's not what hypothetically hypothetically what what would have caused. Trauma to the chest with hemorrhaging in the chest, a broken neck, and brain
0: damage. It could have been her being hit by something, then falling, breaking her neck, and then maybe hitting her head caused the damage. Possibly.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would say blunt force trauma, definitely.
0: Um, but from what? Like, what would, what, what to her chest? A punch? I don't know. I guess a, a punch, kick? I guess a punch could, could do it.
1: They
2: hit hard enough.
1: Yeah, if she was down on the ground and they kicked her and hit her in the head,
2: oh, maybe she was on the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe she had already fallen. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or maybe she did break her neck, and uh, they needed to cover it up somehow. So they they ran over her a couple times with the car. One, so I guess the I guess the reason why I, I ask is because like those things are a little far. Your chest, your neck, and your head, uh, brain damage—they're all kind of far away from each other in the sense that they're a little separated. There's not really one specific thing besides falling. Right. That could cause that. Like falling, like tumbling. Mm -hmm. Tumbling down a hill would probably cause that, especially if like you fell onto some rocks or something like
0: that. And she didn't fall out of a truck. She fell out of a Camaro that's close to the ground. Right. Right. I mean and you would assume she'd have some sort of like injuries from just that outside of what she had, like scratches and scrapes and stuff like that road rash at the most you get is probably like a bumped elbow or right you think maybe like a bro- broken, arm, broken arm right yeah. something one witness said after they arrived at the scene only Jeff was in the parking lot standing over Kim's body however crime scene photos from the scene showed Craig and Kevin in the background standing around during the initial police interview Jeff stated Kim and himself were going for a drive to Walcott after picking her up in bluegrass in 2011, after one of Kim's sisters was in a near fatal car crash, friends commented on social media saying, you should look into the evidence of Kim's case. Once the Luce family began to look at all the documents and files, they realized what the local officials told them didn't match up 25 years later. She had seen several triangle shaped marks on her chest. Kim had been wearing a skirt that night and none of her legs were scraped, but had bruises on both kneecaps but no scrapes from the pavement as you might have from falling out of a moving vehicle. Most of Kim's injuries were on her left side, which would not match up if she had actually fallen out of the passenger side door of the car. So now it gets more interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, okay, if she did fall out of the passenger side you know, door, why is like nothing on her right side injured? There's no scrapes or anything on her right side. So somebody so somebody
2: went on their, her sister's social media in 2011 and basically let, said, like, you should check all this stuff out?
0: Yeah, you should look at the police report and all the evidence because something doesn't seem right. At this point in time, the case had been closed. Said it was just a freak accident. So now we have marks on her knees, specifically. Right. It was like bruises on her knees as if she was on her knees at some point. Right.
1: I mean, if she was on her knees when she was killed, that would make sense because it'd be post-mortem bruising
0: could have it didn't specifically say that it was postmortem but there were noticeable bruises on her knees i'm also curious though about the triangle shaped like bruising and marks that were on her chest unless that those triangle shapes are
2: from the bottom of a shoe could like be. the the sole of a shoe yeah. the pattern mm-hmm. and it's like maybe she was on her knees maybe she was kicked in the chest or something yeah and like brain damage. I like mean she was thrown down to the ground or something or something like that.
0: Whatever happened was It was brutal. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely intentional. Mm-hmm. Julie Luz, one of Kim's sisters, went to talk to Sheriff Dennis Conrad and asked for an honest explanation of what happened that night twenty five years earlier. At that time he could not figure out what actually happened and they reopened the case under the speculation of a suspicious death. What's the
2: landscape of the area that we're
0: in? I'm not entirely sure. It's in Iowa, so I'm imagining it's fairly flat. Yeah. The Luce family looked over the autopsy report of Ken's body. Local officials had it referred to a road rash, which was actually a cherry red discoloration due to cardiac tamponade caused by blunt force trauma to the chest where bleeding begins to pool. So, like, basically, like her chest cavity. From what I've read, is your body can hold 30 to 40% of your blood in each one of the cavities. The autopsy also showed that she had a dramatic brain injury. All of this was never given to the family when Kim died. The sheriff department at the time told medical examiner that Kim was Jeff's girlfriend, which is untrue, and that they had gotten into an argument and Kim jumped from a moving vehicle. Also untrue.
2: Mm. Now, Now it's jumped instead of fell out.
0: Right. And why would the sheriff's department at that time tell the medical examiner this? Right. Once the case had been reopened in 2011, the family was given an official apology. They were not given the truth of what happened or at least not given the full evidence at the time. According to witnesses' statements, given at the time, Jeff attempted to move the body and lift her up partway before he dropped her on her head. However, there was no skull fractures. Even as Kim's body was laying there, Jeff never tried to contact police. Finally, a bystander called a friend at the fire department
2: Wow, so this th- there were people around
0: yeah there when her i mean her body was at the entrance of this trailer park complex that right. obviously people were gonna see what was going on. Wow, I almost wonder if something happened before they got to the to the trailer park, yeah. As the Luce family continued to search for answers due to the sheriff's department reopening the case, Kim's family also reached out to a local Crime Stoppers chapter to see if they could help. Just as more local individuals and the Crime Stoppers began to gather more information, Scotts County Sheriff told the family that Kim's death was ruled an accident and the case was closed again. The Luce family found it hard to understand what changed from a suspicious death to now being an accident. Craig Peterson's case was never connected to Kim and was also ruled an accident, as his body was found in the river. He was listed as missing and then found. No formal charges ever came in the case. However, Craig and Kevin's family had a close friend, Bill Davis, who worked for the DA's office and never filed criminal charges. He was disbarred 20 years later. So what do we think happened? I mean, there... There's obviously multiple things that could have happened.
2: Well, Jeff knows.
0: Oh yeah. That's I think clear. everybody there knows. Kevin, Jeff knows. Kevin knows. Craig knew. Kevin knew. And the guy who owned the trailer park, he knew, or the trailer knew. Yeah.
1: Maybe she was killed off site and dumped at the front of the trailer park.
0: That would be an interesting place to dump a body. Just from Well, they don't just, seem
1: they don't seem like the uh the smartest band of individuals. <laughs> this is true. And criminals do stupid things.
2: Well, yeah, yeah I have to wonder. She, uh, Let's put ourselves in Kim's shoes for a second. She's with this guy, Jeff, in his car. She notices that they're no longer going where they thought they were going to go. Yep. Yeah. And what do you do then? Yeah. Like you barely know this guy. You probably say something like, Hey, you know, why don't you just take me back or why don't you just pull over and let me out? Or yeah. or you just sit there and ride. Those are your two options. Right.
0: I could definitely see her trying to fight. She uh, doesn't seem like somebody who's just gonna go with anybody. I mean, she tried not to go with, with Jeff. So there's a good
2: chance some of the some of her injuries could have taken place on the way there, maybe Yeah. Uh who knows? But they get they get there. And these two brothers are are, are just arguing,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and one ends up dead. Yep. A day after, so there's there's a chance that maybe they what they were arguing about was what happened to Kim. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they couldn't figure out what to do with the body.
0: That would be the most logical thought. Is that whatever happened, Craig wasn't okay with it. It was eating him alive, and Kevin wouldn't allow it. Kevin was like, no. It's like, we got to deal with this. And no one
2: ever tried to pursue this Jeff guy, Jeff Daly?
0: No, I mean, all they got was he was arrested on a basically DUI charge. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's really, a, that's highly unfortunate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We don't learn anything else. Nope. The family doesn't uncover anything else. No, in they they
0: tried to and they were never really getting anywhere. And then the case was closed for the second time and I guess they lost hope.
2: So uh, for a case to be closed the second time after it was reopened and then for the ruling of the death to be accidental and then uh, or to be suspicious and then accidental it almost feels like there was some cover up taking oh, yeah. place.
0: I think it was again negligence from the sheriff's department. Which is unfortunate how many times this actually happens.
2: Yeah, it just happens over and over. We, we do these cases and there's always negligence. Like why why not why not press Jeff more? Why not press Kevin more? Why not press this uh, this other guy more?
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree that it's um some negligence on the part of the the sheriff's department most definitely um especially to to reopen and then reshut and then change cause of death but then change it back and to not pursue you know persons of interest when they should have just seems like this seems like they're they're covering
0: their tracks or they're trying to erase potential mistakes yep so also some of the there's some of these comments Here on the article that I found the story on says, I always thought this case was fishy. I didn't know Kim, but I knew the boys. As for the house fire, the chief and investigators should have found the cause of the fire. Because when we had our house fire, they found the cause of the fire. So it sounds like the trailer had also caught on fire. Oh, interesting. Which kind of adds another element to this like what yeah, happened what happened to the trailer because could uh, could there have been a fight inside the trailer and knocked over a candle or something and mm-hmm. the trailer catch on fire I don't know it's a weird one definitely
2: it's really weird it's really chilling
0: yep Teresa Handloose, loose uh, one of Kim's sisters commented RIP Kimmy my sister Kim I miss you so much happy B day in heaven today Tell mom, dad, Stephen, Michael, and little Larry the second we miss you guys. Every second. Love your sister, Terry. I wish you would always have met your niece, Natalia, and my husband, Monty. I love you, love always, and forever your sister, Teresa. Hmm. Hmm. It's crazy. So sad. This is one of those
2: scenarios where you wish you could just, like, go back in time, see what happened, change what happened, and... C- come back, yep. You, you know, Kim probably didn't, probably didn't do anything wrong.
0: No. Oh, so here's a little more information about the fire. It wasn't a fire at the trailer. Hmm. It was actually a fire at Kim's parents' house. Oh. And I believe they died in that fire. Oh. So it was a mysterious fire. Because they were they were searching for answers, trying to figure it out. Ooh, we'll got yeah. a little arson. They're saying this whole situation sounds so shady. It sounds like a cover-up. Yeah. This poor girl was kidnapped and possibly raped. Then they murdered her by beating her to death. They claim she died in a random car accident. That never happened. Then her parents, who were trying to get justice for their daughter, end up mysteriously died in a fire. However, no one can explain how the fire got started. That's from L, whoever L is.
2: Hmm. Well, that's a certainly a really unfortunate unsolved case. It is. It really is. Just don't get in the cars with people.
1: This episode was written by Brian McIntyre with discussion from Jeremy Thompson and Joey Thompson and was recorded at Star Scream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We wanna hear your grim stories too. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode.